With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the very last episode of Land Grant Holy Land Stick to Sports podcast in the year of our Lord 2020. My name is Matt Timonini, and as always, I am joined by the one and only Tia Johnston. Tia, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This is coming out on New Year's Eve 2020. We're recording it a few days ahead of time because who wants to be recording a podcast uh, on New Year's Eve? We've all got better things to do, although not really because it's 2020. So maybe we don't have better things to do. (laughs) Maybe, Tia, let's scrap this. Let's do a live podcast countdown to to 2021. Deal? Does that sound good? (laughs) Got nothing better to do? I mean, I don't have anything better to do, but I can't promise I'm going to make it to midnight. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. very, very fair. Um, I, I'm with you there. Um, okay, so we'll just stick to this this plan. We'll do the podcast today. We'll release it on 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 Thursday, and then everyone can go about their merry way, falling asleep whenever <laughs> they would like. Um, um, we're going to talk about some New Year's things uh, first. We're going to talk about some football things first. We're also going to talk a, uh, a little bit, looking back with hindsight, on some of our favorite things of 20. 20. Believe it or not, there are some things that we liked about this year. They're few and far between, but they are there nonetheless. <laughs> but before we do that, uh, we do want to remind you that on Stick to Sports, we talk about the things around the periphery of Ohio State Athletics, as well as the things that keep us distracted and entertained between the games. Now, Tia, this is New Year's Eve, so we want to talk about New Year's resolutions. Now, first off, are you a New Year's resolution person for yourself normally? I am not. I... I think like when I was a teenager and you were like kind of supposed to set them for school, like that I swear that's the last time I made one, <laughs> which is bad. Yeah, I don't have I'm not someone who does them either, really, like I, mainly because I just know that by mid-January, I'm going to have forgotten them and just go about my yeah, normal exactly. life anyway. But that is one <laughs> reason why we are not talking about our own personal New Year's resolutions. Instead, we are going to talk about the one New Year's resolution that we hope that the Ohio State football team decides to focus on in 2021. There are a lot that could happen, and a lot of them possibly could be influenced by what happens on January 1st, but we aren't there yet. So now, as of New Year's Eve, Tia, what is your New Year's resolution that you hope the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, focus on in this next coming year? Okay, so my first one, I want their New Year's resolution to be completed overnight, which is to beat Clemson (laughs) and shut (laughs) Davo Sweeney up. Like, I just, I I didn't want to say this because I have another one and the other one is like a boring one. And it's, I want the 2019 defense back in 2021. Like, I just want to watch a good defense. Not that they've been awful this year, but our secondary, I mean, we we won't get into it, but I get it. I just feel like if they were to beat Clemson on January 1st, I don't care what else happens in 2021. Like that would just cap off (laughs) a great year for me. 
send me into 2021 happy and Ryan yeah, yeah. Day will trash talk Dabo and the media. I, I think hope. I think if Ohio State does end up beating Clemson, I think Ryan Day will get in some thinly veiled shots, but I think he'll take the high road more often than not because he is a better human being than true. Dabo Sweeney this is, is which we established on last week's podcast. Mine is a little different. I kind of ignored the Sugar Bowl because, you know, it's only a a one day into the new year. I'm looking down the road in 2021. And of course, my New Year's resolution for the Buckeyes could be completely upended if something weird happens and Justin Fields ends up coming back for the 2021 season. I do not expect that to happen, although because his um, draft stock might have taken a hit lately, and if he doesn't do well against Clemson, maybe he could end up falling, and maybe he decides to come back. If that happens, throw my uh, my resolution out the window. But assuming that he is gone and he is in the NFL um, by the time spring practice starts, I hope that Ohio State and Ryan Day specifically takes a lesson from the 2015 season and does not do what Urban Meyer did when he had multiple quarterbacks that he could have turned to. I hope they pick a quarterback early, and I understand you're probably going to want to go through spring practice before you do this, so that's fine. But after spring practice, I hope that they pick a quarterback and stick to it. They're undoubtedly going to have a whole host of super talented young guys in that quarterback room, Um, whether it's it's C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller or Kyle McCord. Whomever might be ahead, and I think they'll all be fairly equal because, you know, the two true freshmen this year haven't had a ton of opportunities. They didn't get spring practice. Sure, they've practiced with the team this fall, but they've barely gotten to play. So Kyle McCord coming in very well could challenge both of them uh, uh, going into spring practice and coming out. So whoever the quarterback is, don't drag this all. Don't drag this along. There were, the expectations were so high after the the national championship of 2014 that I just feel like Urban Meyer not knowing what he wanted to do with the quarterbacks. And I feel like that was a lot of that was out of loyalty and wasn't sure, you know, how to maneuver that situation. If he just would have picked somebody, I feel like that year could have gone a lot better than it did. And I don't want to see this next season be hijacked by not knowing who the leader on offense is. So my New Year's resolution for the Buckeyes is that I hope they pick a quarterback after spring practice and they stick to it into the season. Yeah, I keep forgetting that we won't have Justin Fields next year. Like, it it keeps slipping my mind. And I hope the fact that Ryan Day was a quarterback's coach and he's a quarterback's guy, like, I hope he knows better than Urban did. Because yeah, we can't we can't have another yeah. Cardale and JT situation. That was awful. <laughs> it was bad. I mean, and it, and it's it wasn't fair to either of them, but because both right. of them handled it about as well as you possibly could have. I mean, they were both super solid team guys, and they did it about as well as I think you could have asked them to. But I'm sure it didn't help their preparation. It didn't help their their mental side of things. I feel like it's just one of those things where it's like, what do you do? Like uh, you you don't know what what's expected of you. You don't know who to be you know the team doesn't know who to look to it's just uh it's just a mess i think and uh i hope that they've learned their lesson even though obviously ryan day wasn't on the staff at that point um but surely he's heard the tales yeah that would be my hope uh for the buckeyes in 2021 um but of course if they do end up beating clemson on the first i will very much happily submit another one to beat the living crap out of uh 
Alabama on the 11th, and that can be a New Year's resolution as well. All right, so that's all of the football talk we're going to have today because we're going to completely pivot to something completely different. And since this is our last episode of the calendar year, we want to talk about the things that gave us some sort of joy in 2020 because obviously there that has been you know hard to come by in this calendar year so um we're going to talk about anything whether it's sports related movies books uh, like a park that you live by whatever i don't care what it is just anything that brought you joy in 2020 so tia why don't you go ahead and, and start us off there okay the first one that came to mind was the environment, carbon dioxide emissions declined, air quality has improved, or there's a reduction in water pollution in different parts of the world. Like, we've always known that humans are the worst species to walk the earth. Yeah, we but suck. This we just suck. like <laughs> proves it because I think we started seeing these perks like a month into quarantine back in like April. I think I remember reading that like. China's air quality is the best it's ever been and animals were like coming out of the woods and like walking the streets <laughs> just 30 or so days of humans staying in their house and all of this starts to happen like that's so bad and I know that it's going to turn bad again once we can all leave but at least like the earth just got a break in the year 2020. Gotta say, that is not where I thought you were going to go first. I uh, did not anticipate that being where <laughs> you headed. Um, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, uh, if you can't recognize the fact that our world is literally and figuratively burning, um, that's a you problem. <laughs> There's plenty of reasons to understand why we need to do something about it. And hopefully this is something that will give people the opportunity to figure that out. All right, so mine is also going to be a little something that is outside of my norm, mainly because if anybody knows me, like I am not super hip on current modern music, um, but I listened to all of the hype in mid to late April, and I downloaded an album from somebody who's been around for most of my um, my music listening life, and um, she released a, a new album that was originally supposed to be held until October, but because of the shutdowns and the pandemic and everybody pulling albums from their release dates, Fiona Apple decided to release her new album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, in mid-April. And uh, Fiona Apple's a few years older than me, so like she started releasing music in her 20s when I was in high school, and it, it, so she's always been a part of of you know, my consciousness, but like, I've never been super into her. Like I just, I'm just not into like a lot of music, but I listened to fetch the bolt cutters. I bought it. I downloaded it. And it is an absolutely perfect album. It is weird, but it's it, like in the best way. And like Fiona Apple's, she's always been kind of a, a little bizarre, but like it was emotional, but it was funny. It was like weird, but it was poetic. It was, uh, intelligent, but it was accessible. It was really, really great. I mean, it had uh, just some really interesting lyrics and music. And I don't want to get into like, there's a lot of like a feminist through line through it. She's a female artist, you know, but it talks about bullying and sexual assault and gaslighting and men just sucking. Um, but it was really great. And it had like the, some of the lyrics were brilliant. Like my favorite line is um, in a song. She says, I would beg to disagree, but begging disagrees with me. Like that's like Ooh. the perfect lyric. Yeah, yes. it's like 
Uh, it's amazing. And so this is an album she recorded over like five years in her own home. Um, and it's just really, really good. So if you haven't listened to Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters, I would highly, highly recommend that because um, it's one of the few album like that was albums that wasn't from either a Broadway show or a Broadway performer that I've listened to in the last few years and really, really enjoyed and loved. So Fetch the Bolt Cutters, Fiona Apple my favorite album of 2020. Okay, well, I will piggyback off that because this is okay. what I thought you were going to say when you were like introducing it. Oh, um, <laughs> okay. Taylor Swift's two new albums, which she pretty okay, much fair. wrote and recorded all in quarantine. Like, I don't know if we would have gotten these albums had there not been a quarantine. And I like Taylor Swift, but she took this weird like U-turn into being like super poppy and like she tried to change her reputation. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> um, is that a, is that a that was the name Swift of her joke? album. <laughs> uh, okay, I didn't realize that. Thank I you. like that these two new albums are like who she is, I think, and her old stuff, but better. If you're a Swifty, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like I, we, ironically, I brought up Taylor Swift a few weeks ago, or uh, I can't remember which episode. Oh, it was the Northwestern episode because um, we talked about her in Valentine's Day or New Year's Day oh, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. not a huge Taylor Swift person. I don't like I said then. Like I don't have anything against her. I but I I just again not a music person. Um, but I did buy the first one. I got the first one. I didn't. I haven't listened to the second one yet. Um, but I generally like yeah, the them, first one's better. Is it okay? Good to know. So maybe I won't yeah. get the second one. I'm interested yeah. to see the journey of her though, because she obviously started off when she was like, what, like 14 or something. I don't even know how old she was when she first started releasing songs, 14, 16, however yeah. old. Um, and to see her go from like being this country princess to being like a pop queen and to like being this kind of like just this huge mega star in dealing with like, all of the attention that you get from that to end up being like a fully fledged adult right. artist now is, is very interesting to me again, maybe not my type of music, but I, I, I appreciate the journey that she's gone through. And, and I think that she's a, a super interesting person. And at the age of 31, like she is now somebody who is set up for even more decades of success kind of because of everything she's been through both personally and professionally. And you can't not root for her with dealing with some of this stuff with like record labels and owning the rights to her music. Like that's a huge deal. And like between her and the stuff that Kesha went through, like it just shows you how awful the music industry can be when it's being led by just monstrous people. Um, and I'm glad that, Kesha and especially, you know, Taylor Swift to a much bigger degree, but both of them have kind of come out on the other side better for it. Um, and I hope that Taylor kind of gets the rights to her songs back, but um, really been impressed with how she handled that whole situation and then kind of handled the fact that she is now, you know, kind of turning into a fully formed artist, you know, a decade and a half into her career. But at the time when a lot of people are just figuring out to be adults, but now she's like this fully formed, you know, force of nature when it comes to music. So uh, I love that. That's great. All right. So I am going to talk about something that has just hit the interwebs in the last few days. It is one of the weirdest things that I have ever seen. And it's all that I can think about. And I've been tweeting about it. And my friends and I have been <laughs> tweeting about it. It is just 
so weird. Um, <laughs> but it so perfect. You know what it is. Yeah. It perfectly sums up the year 2020. So everybody knows who Alec Baldwin is. Not the greatest guy in the world. He's had issues with, you know, paparazzi. He has issues with his daughter. He's had issues with alcoholism. I think he's kind of a bit of a sexist as well. Um, but a few years ago, a decade ago or whatever, he married um, this woman named, I believe, Alaria, Halaria. Um, and apparently she was from Spain and um, she speaks with this very pronounced Spanish accent. And she's like, d- does these television appearances all the time. And like, maybe she's a, sh- a cook, too. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> um, but it turns out she's from Boston and she's not Spanish. Her parents just retired to Spain. Her parents aren't Spanish. She's been faking a Spanish accent, changed her name from Hillary to Halaria (laughs) just because she wanted to be Spanish. And she like feels like she's Spanish. Like what in the ever loving crap is going on here? Um, Like I I just, (laughs) and here's the thing too, Tia is like, she went to school in Boston. Like, she grew up in Boston. How is it taking a decade for us to find out that she is not Hispanic at all? Like, if I had gone to high school with somebody who married a celebrity, got famous, and then pretended to be of a different nationality and faked an accent, it would be the only thing that I would ever talk about. And I would have been telling <laughs> TMZ. I would have been calling every television station What the hell, you know, talking about, I just don't understand why it's taken us so long to figure out that she's an absolute fraud. I have questions because I I didn't look into this as much as I said I was going to, but I've been seeing like all the jokes and memes and like I I knew the gist, but I didn't know everything that you just said. So, so her parents, because- Are American. So they, they just recently like retired and moved to Spain. Like they weren't- because, oh, I did listen yes. to her whole, like, spiel defending herself. And she made, she made it sound like... She lies. She made it sound like they've lived in Spain her whole life. And they, they've been going to Spain once a year to visit family or something. And she spent half of her life in Spain. Like, that's how I... That's what she made it sound like. I had no idea that they She's don't... She's a liar. <laughs> they haven't lived in Spain. They just retired there. Like, that's... Yeah, her... It's insane. Like, there's all these threads. Like, her mom's, like, a fairly prominent doctor in uh, at Massachusetts General Hospital, and she's a professor at Harvard. Like, she retired in 2012. Like, she's not somebody, uh, um, you know, who, who um, you know, grew up there. They, they moved to Spain in 2011. Oh and her gosh. dad does have a B.A. in Spanish literature. Um, but like they're not from Spain. But like, like her dad's name is David Thomas. Oh my gosh! No, it's not. Wait, so they're yes. they're not like, but they are Spanish as like I'm Irish kind of thing. Like I, that that I don't know. But like they're uh, um no like her grand okay so her paternal grandfather like. His family has been in the United States since before the American Revolution. Oh my like they, it's not like her parents are first generation Americans. Like that it's just not true. She went to high school at Cambridge School in Weston in Weston, Massachusetts. She went to New York University. <laughs> like this is not 
something like so weird. and then she does this th- she does this thing where she was on the today show like cooking and there's a video of it where she's like mm, oh i want to then i use this no. and oh how, how you say <laughs> how you say in english uh cucumber she does not like, it's cucumber i have the clip i will send it to you right this I'm second cringing listen to it already. right now i am literally cringing just <laughs> it is and and my accent is terrible so don't my accent i know is probably offensive but that uh, I'm not an accent person, but I just sent it to you in Slack. Watch this clip and put okay. it in the episode. It is horrific. We have very few ingredients. We have tomatoes. We have, um, how do you say anything? Cucumber. Cucumbers. We have um, red pepper. We have, of course, the... <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Like, what in the ever-loving hell oh, is going on? Is she... So she literally grew up and went to school in Boston, you said. Yes, she's from Boston. I don't even care if you then moved to Spain after, like, high school, and then you've lived in Spain your whole life, or not your whole life, but since high school, you still wouldn't have an accent. Like, And you still wouldn't forget (laughs) the word cucumber. And then say, and then say, how do you say in English? No, No, stop it. (laughs) Okay, and here's another clip I'm sending you. Um... So this is a clip of her mother talking about, like, having kids in medical school. And it the person who, like, this is a whole thread if you want to read more about it. But, like, her mother talks about how she had her son Jeremy, you know, fairly white Anglo-Saxon name, before yeah. medical school. And then had her daughter, 10-second pause, Alaria, uh, in, in during medical school. It's just, like, she had to take the time to remember what stupid-ass name her daughter is going by now. So we had our son, Jeremy, three months before medical school started, and we had our daughter, Ilaria, uh, in January of second year. (laughs) You just, like, you don't just, like, forget your daughter's name. Yeah, but her daughter's name is Hillary. It's because her daughter's name is Hillary. Just absolutely. Her mom is fed up watching this. She is just so fed up. (laughs) And she's like, I have to do it because I'm not going to sell my daughter out. But like, it's just one of the most. Why is she doing that? I don't know. It's like there's that Rachel Dolezal um, woman who worked for the NAACP who like is just a white woman who tried to pretend she was black for years. Like, Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, I, I at least understand why she did it because like she says, like, I grew up. Um, uh, you know, uh, around black people and it, the, you know, issues around the black community really were important to me. I worked for the NAACP and it just kind of happened. Like it wasn't something that I ever pushed. Like this woman is, and, and she's garbage, but that's another story. But like Hillary Hayward Thomas Baldwin made a conscious effort to deceive people <laughs> that she is Spanish and she is not. And it's just absolutely bonkers. I wonder who like figured it out or how it. Yeah, I, I don't. That I light. don't know. That I don't know. But it's. Wow, that is so weird. And she, of course, is Justin Bieber's aunt by marriage. So just no relation. What? I mean, there's no point in me saying that. But just like Alec Baldwin's niece married Justin Bieber, so oh. that just makes it funnier. I think. Why you did know? I never put that together? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, wow. weird. Very weird. Yeah, it's... Uh, hmm. That's a good one. That is a good... Thank you, 2020, for it's that. It's like, <laughs> that's the perfect 2020 thing, you know? 
It's just so, so bizarre. Well, my next one is all like somber and I don't even want to say it because, okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, do it. Do it. Well, okay. So it's, I have the Black Lives Matter movement and I know it didn't. Okay. That's good. Start on good terms. I mean, it's very, very sad that we're, we have this movement, but I think it was needed and it's Mm -hmm. still going and hopefully it continues to go. So yeah. Absolutely. And, and obviously, we've talked about that uh, a lot in recent weeks with the the stuff around Larry Johnson being the first black man to ever coach a, a game at Ohio State or the first head coach. Um, and then talking about Dabo Sweeney being an absolute asshat. Um, so we've definitely I mean, that's something that is super important. And while you always hope that that was something that isn't necessary, we just aren't there as a society where that's not um, yeah, exactly. something that we need to see. And the fact that and look. You're never going to I never want to focus something like this on white people because we're the ones at fault here. So what's awesome about this whole movement is that it's being led and continue right. to being led by black people. And it's um, hugely important. And I hope that this is something that however you want to frame a movement, um, it is something that continues to be at the forefront of every part of the American discussion uh, in the coming years and decades to the point where hopefully someday in a future that unfortunately I think is going to be far more distant than any of us would like, it it, it can be unnecessary. But until that day, I, I hope we all continue to fight for equality in every single ma- uh, in every single part of, of our lives and our world. So good for you, Tia. I like that one. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do two things that I, you know, I often talk about theatrically related things. I'm going to talk about two things that were captured from Broadway stages and released, um, on streaming services this year. The first one is the most obvious one and that's Hamilton. I've seen Hamilton now four times. Um, I've seen it on Broadway twice. I saw, and I've seen it on tour twice. And I like Hamilton. I appreciate Hamilton. I do not love Hamilton. Like, I don't live and breathe Hamilton. My brother loves it. My mom loves it. My niece loves it. Um, I One of the co-hosts of the show that I work on as my full-time job, her other podcast is the Hamilcast, which is the official, unofficial podcast of Hamilton. She's had Lin-Manuel Miranda on multiple times, basically had everybody. So there are people (laughs) that I know and love that this show is everything about their lives. And in fact, Jillian, who's the host of the Hamilcast and and True Crime Obsessed, like Lynn texted her 15 minutes before the announcement came on and said, hey, you might want to turn on Good Morning America. So like that's how close she is with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Like he gave her a heads up about the announcement of this being streamed on Disney plus. So I get it. But what was so incredible about this is, is that it allowed people who would never get the opportunity to see this show one, because it's incredibly hard to get a ticket and two, because it's usually very expensive. Now they do a lot of great stuff with Hamilton and and making sure that there are $10 tickets available for every per- performance. They do a lot with schools. They um, uh, they call them edu-ham performances where they just buy out every seat for a Wednesday matinee on Broadway and just fill it with New York City public school students. So they do a lot of stuff about trying to get people to see it. But still, it's really hard to get a ticket, and it's super expensive. So the fact that this thing that has been a cultural touchstone for my community of the theater community is accessible now 
to everybody forever for like seven bucks a month is incredible. And what I love about Hamilton is is just the sheer audacity of its construction. It is so complex. It is so um, uh, nuanced. And there's so many different things happening at once, both with the lyrics, with the staging, with the set, with the choreography. It's it's beautiful. Like I said, it's not it's not something that I would necessarily say is my favorite show in the world, but it's impossible not to admire Hamilton. And I love that so much of it, not all of it is captured on the, I mean, all of the show is, but not all of the brilliance is captured because you have to like focus on stuff and some of the lighting's a little different, but um, it's a great representation of what this show is. And I'm, I'm really glad that people get to see it. The uh, first off, Tia, did you ever watch, end up watching Hamilton? Have you seen it yet? No, but it's so funny. You, you bring it up because my cousin is visiting in a few days and she is like a Hamilton nutty fan. And I was like, okay, okay this is the time I am going to watch it. Like bring it. <laughs> We're watching okay. it because I I have so many friends right. who are obsessed with it. Okay. Well, I want you to text me afterwards and let me know what you think. Okay. It's 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 cool. I I wish that I could be there to like see you react in the moment of things. I would recommend though if you haven't at least listened to the album, listen to it once beforehand because it is it is mostly wrapped. And okay. a lot of the rap is very fast. And I think you would you would miss out on some things if you hadn't listened to it at least once beforehand. OK, OK, good to know. So the other one is something that I can almost guarantee that you haven't seen. It is on Amazon Prime and it is also a capture of a Broadway show um, that has to do with, uh, ironically enough, kind of like the founding of the United States, but in a much different way. This is called What the Constitution Means to Me. It was, it's not a one-woman show, but it effectively is. It's by, it's written by and stars a woman named Heidi Schreck. Um, and there's other people in the show, but very tangentially. Uh, but basically, it is just her personal reflection on um, a very interesting relationship with the Constitution. She paid her way through college in, in large part by going around to like VFW halls and debating the Constitution. It was like competitions, um, like speech and debate competitions specifically about the Constitution. And then how her relationship with the Constitution changed when it comes to um, a lot of different issues about being a woman and her her family's history, her mother, her other people. Um, and it's incredibly well done. It's incredibly powerful. I saw it on Broadway. It is it's something that I can't believe we got to witness because it's just something like, how the hell did this get on Broadway? And then how the hell did somebody decide that they want to film it and put it on Amazon? Because it's not something that you would normally think of. It's not Hamilton. It's not a musical. It's literally a woman by herself for the most part just talking about the Constitution, but it's brilliant, and it's something that I think a lot of people need to see, and it is uh, fantastic. And I, I, interestingly enough, when you see it in person, they give you a little pocket Constitution. So I have a little Constitution on my shelf over there um, from what the Constitution <laughs> means to me, and it's uh, it's a great show. So I would highly recommend watching both of those if you haven't. I also previously talked about um, American Utopia, which was also filmed on Broadway. I didn't see that one on Broadway, um, but it was supposed to come back. A, a friend of mine, uh, Oliver, is one of the producers on the show, but they filmed that. That's on uh, HBO Max, is on HBO Max, I think. So lots of theater 
happening on streaming services, which you know that I always love, Tia. Is that going to be your recommendation? It needs to be a recommendation so I can go back no. and look through, like, because we list them in the article. I need, like, a master list. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to make those my recommendation. I know, we really have not done this well. We really should have been putting things together. But yeah, we can list them all. But uh, but yeah, what the Constitution means to me, Hamilton, um, I think I mentioned American Utopia at one point early on, but uh, those are all great. Um, so highly, highly recommend that. All right, what else do you have? Anything else from 2020? So do you want me to just name my last two back to back? Yeah, let's do it. They're do very it, different. <laughs> okay. okay, go for it. Sorry to bring politics into it, but whatever. I don't care who you go for this is amazing. America's first female, first black, and first Asian American vice president, Kamala Harris. I mean, that'll forever go down in history of 2020. My next one is the fact that dogs are so much happier because their humans (laughs) have been home all year and a record number of dogs have been adopted from shelters this year. And that makes me happy. My dogs are so happy. <laughs> that's that's fair. I'm not a dog person. So, um, all right. I will close it out with um, this is not a, I've already mentioned my day job before. So this is related to that, but not like the job itself. I am not normally a documentary person. Um, I've just never really watched a ton of documentaries. But because my job is literally to edit podcast episodes making fun of of documentaries i've watched a ton of documentaries <laughs> this year so i want to call out uh some that i've especially liked one because they're really good but then also because i think our episodes about them are really good but one is class action park which i believe was on hbo max which is about the world's like most dangerous amusement park that was in new jersey uh for like 20 years that one's great we also covered mcmillions which was also on HBO, um, which is about the Monopoly McDonald's uh, fraud case that like developed over 20 plus years. That was really good. Um, we we also did uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which is a multi-part um, uh, documentary also on HBO. These are all on HBO so far um, about the Golden State Killer and Michelle McNamara, who was a crime writer, Patton Oswalt's wife. Um, who actually, like, did all of this work to figure out who the Golden State Killer was and then died, like, a few months before they figured out who he was um, and had, like, I I think it was a heart attack. Um, But just a really great documentary series. We also did Tiger King, which I didn't love, but it was so weird. Um, But that was in there, too. We also did um, Athlete A, which is on Netflix, which is about uh, all of the women both at Michigan State and the U.S. national team who were sexually assaulted by the team doctor Larry Nasser. Um, so that one's really good. Not as funny as some of those other ones, but like um, a really incredibly well done documentary. So documentaries, not normally my thing, but was fortunate enough to watch a lot of them uh, this year, like a lot, a lot of them. Did you watch um, American Murder the family next door. That's the Chris Watts one, right? Yes, your guys's podcast on that one had me crying, laughing. Oh, okay. Is that I, I couldn't remember. <laughs> I I don't think we did the one. That's the we did a separate one. We did Family Man, Family Murderer. You're talking about a different oh, okay. different documentary, same subject. 
Um, but yeah. The, yeah, I mean, it's the same. Yeah, it's the yeah. same stuff. But yes, yes. Um, Chris Watts, Family Man, Family Murderer. Yeah. So thank, hey, thanks for listening. That was good. Yeah, I edited that. Yeah. Oh, so funny. All right. So that is my last one. Do you have any other 2020 things that you are especially uh, grateful for? No, but I feel like they're going to like occur to me as the day goes on and I'm going to kick myself, but that's, that's all right. I have. <laughs> that's right. I've only gave, we only gave you a, a week uh, notice to uh, come up with these things. So it's totally fine. All right. So I, I don't know. I think we should just make all of these things like our recommendations. I don't know that I have a separate one. Um, do you have something yeah, separate? I don't either. Okay. I totally forgot. Yeah, no, I think like this is a good way to like say all of these things that we talked about are recommendations. If you want to go watch or yes. listen to them or whatever. For sure. All right. So I guess that's all that we have for not only this episode, but for 2020 episodes of Land Grant Holy Land Stick to Sports Podcast. If you are finding this episode on our website, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your daily dose of podcasting goodness. And if you like our particular brand of weirdness, please head over to Apple and give us a five-star review. If you give us anything else, you are the internet equivalent of Dabo Sweeney, and we will hate you forever. <laughs> also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWMatt. <laughs> Tia, take it away. Uh, myself on Instagram and Twitter is at Tia Johnston underscore. My dogs are at Buddy and Bella underscore. And my store is at Antiques for Your Home. Is that it? I That's it. Figured you'd add it. Figured you'd <laughs> added another one or two since the last Don't time we recorded. Don't put it past me. <laughs> I will not be shocked. Anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening to us, all 2.75 of you. Uh, we appreciate it. Have a wonderful, safe New Year's Eve. And we will be back to talk to you next week, hopefully, as Ohio State is preparing to take on Alabama. Actually, I hope they're getting ready to take on Notre Dame, because I would much rather play Notre Dame than Alabama in the college football playoff national championship game. So we will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.